Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we roll along. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline, Sal Powell, will jump in a little later in this hour. We've been a lot of different places so far today. This is why you can't miss the first hour, because we did a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of ground, a bunch of basketball. We had the baseball. We got Jacob DeGrom with his notable achievement, and Madison Bumgarner with his no-hitter. Hembo, for whatever reason, doesn't want to give Bumgarner credit for having thrown a no-hitter, even though a game started and ending. He threw every pitch and did not allow a hit. That seems to me, if you look up no-hitter in the dictionary, if you look up no-hitter in the dictionary... Does it or does not say pitching an entire baseball game in which a hit is not allowed? I don't know what else you can to tell you. It requires getting 27 outs, not 21. I mean, if a game doesn't require 27 outs, then a no-hitter shouldn't require 27 outs. Again, baseball has chosen to call it a notable achievement rather than a no-hitter. So we have a bunch of that stuff on the way. We have not yet gotten to the draft. Let me get you there because obviously this is kind of where I'm living right now. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. We are T-minus three days away and counting from round one of the NFL draft, and I will be there in Cleveland. I told you that I'm leaving tomorrow after this show to get to Cleveland. I've forgotten how to pack. I don't know how to pack. I didn't know what to bring. I was paralyzed in my bathroom yesterday trying to remember what things I bring with me when I travel. (laughs) But anyway, so I will be there, and here are a couple of things you need to know. So Diana Rossini this morning told us that the 49ers have not yet made up their minds who they're taking at number three. Here's what's coming out of there right now, for better or for worse, because so much misinformation is thrown around at this time of year that it's hard to take any of it seriously. But what's being thrown around out there is that Kyle Shanahan wants to take Mac Jones and that there are people in the organization, namely the people who scout these players, who are telling him he should take Trey Lance, which parenthetically I'm telling him too. Trey Lance, when it's all said and done, has the highest upside of any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And the 49ers should take him. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. He's proven that if he's healthy, and clearly we know it's a big if, but if he's healthy, you can go to the Super Bowl with him, keep Garoppolo for another year, and and bring along Trey Lance at the pace he should be brought along. You put together Trey Lance's skill set with Kyle Shanahan's coaching, you could, should, have the makings of something really special. That's what I think they should do. Kyle Shanahan, and I don't blame him, is thinking, you give me Mac Jones, I could win the Super Bowl next year. If I were in his shoes, I might feel the same way. So one way or another, that seems to be the push and pull of it all at number three in this draft. One way or another, three quarterbacks are going to go off the board right off the bat. Boom, boom, boom. By the time we get to like 840 on Thursday night, we will have three quarterbacks down. The question is then what happens at four? The Falcons are in a fascinating position, and it really is an interesting decision they have to make. They have three different options. Pretty obvious what they are. One of them is they trade out of that pick to someone who wants a quarterback. Another is they take the tight end Kyle Pitts, who I think is the best player in this draft. And the third of them is they take a quarterback themselves. Well, Hembo did a little digging for me this weekend, and he found this piece on Pro Football Focus that basically rates the rosters of every team in the NFL, right? Give me, give me a, a quick synopsis of what exactly it is I'm about to describe. So Pro Football Focus is a, is a site. What they'll do is essentially grade every player in the NFL. They aggregated all those grades based upon the teams that they're currently on and spat out a list 1 through 32. And the answer to those tells you everything you need to know about what they should do at number 4. 
They rank the Falcons as having the 24th best roster in the NFL. You know what that means? That means they're not Kyle Pitts away from winning the Super Bowl. They should either draft a quarterback or they should trade away to someone who will. Or if someone wants to trade up for Kyle Pitts like Dallas, that's all well and good too. The point is the Falcons aren't putting Kyle Pitts on that roster and winning the Super Bowl. That's what the numbers would indicate. A few other things that are interesting. Washington, the Washington football team, and I have been telling you this. (laughs) They have the eighth best roster in the NFL. That's because they have to have the best defensive roster in the NFL. If it's not, it's got to be top two or three. And they've got good players on that offense. Good. McLaurin is good. No one knows anything about him. Gibson is good. Samuel, they just added, is good. Ryan Fitzpatrick is good. He's not great. He's good. If they were to get themselves a young quarterback, I don't think he'd start this year. I think you put together, you give Fitzpatrick a chance with that team around him. I think they run away and hide with that division. And I think they have a real shot to be a Super Bowl contender. They have the eighth best roster in the NFL. So I had that one right, according to PFF. You know who else they love? The Broncos. They say the Broncos have the sixth best roster. If they can just get decent quarterback play, they should absolutely be a playoff team. Now, the problem they have is they're in Kansas City's division, and Kansas City's quarterback play is a little better than decent. They're also in the Chargers division, and their quarterback play is is elite. Justin Herbert seems to be the goods. And with a coaching change and a really good draft pick, maybe the offensive lineman at 13 overall, I think the Chargers are going to be great. The Chargers are going to win double-digit games this year. So if you're Denver, that leaves you in a bit of a tough spot. You could be the sixth best team in the league and the third best team in your own division very easily. Another team they don't love the talent is the Patriots. Surprisingly low considering the offseason they've had. They rank the Patriots as the 20th best roster in the NFL. It's not that high. They've remade that roster in a lot of different ways. So we will see. So that, that pro football focus piece, it tells a lot of very interesting stories, and we'll see where it winds up netting us all out. But the draft is coming up Thursday, and we've got a close eye on that. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Now, if, if you've ever listened to or watched any of my shows, you know I love trivia. I love sports trivia. I use it as a tease all the time. And Hembo has put together some trivia questions for me. And let's see how I do, and you'll play along with me. So, Hembo, give me the theme of the trivia question again. Yeah, doing some draft research recently, I came across eight different instances in the common draft era, which dates to 1967, in which a team drafted multiple Hall of Famers in the same year. Multiple Hall of Famers. So a team that drafted more than one Hall of Famer in the same draft. In the that same year, draft. And it's, own, and it's one year. That's exactly right. Okay. So I'm going to give so, you the but team. Because this doesn't count. The Bears in 65, who drafted Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers. It does not. This is from 1967 on. I'll give you the team, and I'll give you the year, and you're going to spit out the Hall of Famers. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. All right, we'll start with the 1974 Steelers. Okay. 1974 Steelers is going to be Mean Joe Green. It is going to be Mel Blunt. It is going to be Jack Ham. And it is going to be, there's going to be one more. I mean, there's so many Hall of Famers on that team. How, who else could have gone that year? Could it have been, could it have been one of the receivers? What year did Franco get there? Could it have been Swan or Stallworth? Could it have been Franco? Could it have been Mike Webster? I don't remember what year those guys got there, so I'll just throw a guess at you 
And I'll guess that that year they drafted, I'm just going to throw out the name John Stallworth. Okay, so you're all over the board here. The Steelers have done it more than once. In 74, though, it was Webster, Stallworth, Lambert, and Swan. Okay, <laughs> and so they, they drafted both Wall of Fame receivers in the same year. And in 70, it was Blunt and Bradshaw. Okay, so there's two different instances of the Steelers yes. doing it. Okay, fair enough. The 1983 Bears drafted two Hall of Famers. Who were they? The 83 Bears drafted two Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're going to be defensive players. Which guys did they draft in 83? The, def- the defenders for those teams that are in the Hall of Fame are Dan Hampton, Richard Dent. That's right. And there's those two. No, it was Dent and an offensive lineman. Oh, Jimbo Covert? That's right. Okay, very good. The 1995 Buccaneers drafted two Hall of Famers. Who were they? The 95 Buccaneers drafted two Hall of Famers. What year did they draft Warren Sapp? This year. Okay, so Sapp. And one other defensive star from that team. Is it Derek Brooks? It is. They drafted those guys the same year. The same year. I never realized yeah. that. Wow, what a draft class. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the 95. Ni- the 1985 Bills drafted two Hall of Famers. The 85 Bills. So that's not Jim Kelly because Kelly was drafted in the, as part of the 83 class. So the 85 Bills drafted two Hall of Famers. All right, Bruce Smith was the first He's pick won. in the draft. Mm-hmm. Did they draft Thurman that same year? No. No. Did they draft um, – who am I forgetting? Who was – was, was, is Andre Reid in yes. the Hall of Fame? Okay. Andre Reid. I and forgot that he got in. He waited a long time to get in. The 1970 Steelers we've already covered. The 1968 Raiders are next on my list. The 1968 Raiders drafted two Hall of Famers. The 68 Raiders mm-hmm. drafted two Hall of Famers. This is a tough one. You'll so, get one easily. I, I remember all those teams. Well, 68 is too early – well, I don't think Cliff Branch is in the Hall of Fame. Is Fred Blutnikoff in the Hall of Fame? It's neither of them. Okay. Uh, the 68 Raiders. Hold on. I'm a, you got this. Both on offense. Is Art Shell? Yes, Art Shell is one. He's not the one who I thought you would guess Gene first. Upshaw? No. Okay. Uh, on offense? Oh, Stabler. Yeah. Oh, okay. Stabler. Okay. Ken Stabler. Yep. Got two more for you. The 1995 Patriots drafted two Hall of Famers. The 95 Patriots. 95 Patriots. These are tough. These, this is probably the toughest group of teams here. The 95 Patriots drafted two Hall of Famers. One in the first and one in the third round. A first-round pick of the Patriots in 95 who's in the Hall of Fame. I don't have it. Go ahead, Brendan. Is it Richard Seymour? It, it is not. One, is one of them's a yeah, diff- give them to me because we're getting late. Uh, Ty Law and Curtis Martin were the, oh, two, were the two Patriots Martin. that year. I'm mad at myself for not getting That's that. That's an easy one to forget. And the last team here was the 1996 Ravens who drafted both Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden okay. in the first round. Ray Lewis goes like the 96. There you go. So that's, that's what every team in the NFL is trying to replicate this coming week. Coming up next, I'll tell you the most surprising thing you will hear anywhere about the number one pick in the draft. That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash greenie today to get 10% off 
your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you. Sal Pal on the way shortly. Baseball's back. Your favorite teams and players are on ESPN+. Over 170 live games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash baseball. Every once in a while, you get a chance to see Jacob deGrom the best pitcher in the sport, or you might get a chance to see a notable achievement like the one from Madison Bumgarner yesterday. <laughs> seven innings of no-hit ball on a seven-inning game. And they even call it a no-hitter, which makes no sense whatsoever. It's not a no-hitter. You can't call it a no-hitter unless you get 27 people out. Who cares how long the game is? I, 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 it's the most ridiculous position you've ever taken in all the years I've known you, and you've taken a great many ridiculous positions. What you're telling me... It's the official position. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If the game had gone to extra innings yeah. and had gone nine... And he had thrown nine no-hit innings. Would you then have considered a no-hitter? I would, yes. I, don't know if, I actually don't know the official rule for that, though. I should, look at, I should look that up to know for sure. It doesn't make any sense. He pitched the entire game. What you're then telling me is we have a game in which a no-hitter is not an option. Like, we, we don't ha- that's not a possibility. Can we, we live can't with that? have a Can no-hitter. we live with that? What? Can we live with that? Can we no, live- I can't live with Why? that. Because the simple definition of a no-hitter is to pitch a game and not give up a hit. That's the definition of a no-hitter. It actually is one of those things that tells you what it is right in the name. No-hitter. I pitched a game. I gave up no hits. How many hits did you give up? None. Oh, you pitched a no-hitter. No, I didn't. It only was a seven-inning game, so it was a notable achievement. Do you hear how stupid that sounds, Hembo? I love archaic baseball like this. This, <laughs> this is what makes baseball so charming. I know. It's just ridiculous, but that's not what I... Want to talk about? I want to talk about some stuff about the first pick in the NFL draft. So you know who I like to follow on the Twitter here? Who is this Spot Rack? You know him, right? I do. He's good, very good. All right. So he's got this Twitter feed, and I've, I came across it by accident one time, and I love it. And he tweets a bunch of interesting stuff. So going back to 1970, which is the merger. It's not the beginning of the common draft, but it is the merger. He lists all the different first-round picks, okay? And so going back to that, there's, what, 20, 36? However, count that up for me, will you, Hembo? How many first-round picks are there total there? 51. 51. 1970 to 2020, right? Thank you. Well, there hasn't been one yet this year, right? So that's what I'm trying to do the 51. math. 51. Out of the 51 first overall picks, number one overall pick in the draft, how many do you think were quarterbacks out of the 51? Do you think it was half? It's just about. The answer is 25. 
25 out of the 51 number one overall picks have been quarterbacks. Obviously, we're on a crazy run of them, and that that percentage is going to get completely skewed because the first pick in the draft will be a quarterback eight of the (laughs) next eight out of 10 years for the foreseeable future. That said, here's the next thing that I thought was really interesting. What position do you think is next represented after quarterback? The next most common position to be the number one overall pick. I would have guessed dating back to my childhood that the answer would be running backs because it felt like the running back was the first pick in the draft almost every year in the 70s. But in fact, that's third. There have been six running backs who were number one overall. The the second most drafted person at that spot is the defensive end. The DN, the pass rushing end, the, the Bruce Smiths of the world would be at the top of that list. And then going through it, three offensive linemen, two receivers, two linebackers, and two defensive tackles. I'm trying to remember the offensive linemen. Did Orlando Pace went number one overall, right? And that was the year the Jets had the pick, and they traded it. 1997, They didn't take him. Who were the other two offensive linemen who went number one overall? For some reason, I can't think of them. Eric Fisher for the Chiefs in 2013. That was Andy Reid's first pick there. Jake Long of the Dolphins in Oh, that's right. That's right. Again, so not the most memorable. Mm Mm-mm. So those I thought were interesting little notes as you consider this. And then this is where you start. And this is what I meant when I said, I'm going to give you the most surprising thing about the number one overall pick. If I said to you, from which conference have the most number one overall picks come? You would immediately say, it's got to be the SEC. Well, the answer is it's a tie between two conferences. The SEC is one of them. Guess what the other one is? Guess what the other one is? The other one is the much maligned Pac-12. The Pac-12 has turned out 12 number one overall picks going back to 1970, equal with the SEC. The Big 12 is next at eight. The Big 10 only has seven, and the ACC has six. How about that? (laughs) A little more information out out of the 51 players who have gone, who have been number one overall since then. Eight of them are in the Hall of Fame. The one of them who played the most games was Bruce Smith. The one of them who made the most money was Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> he's, always, he's always the answer to questions like that. I actually had been under the impression that Eli made more money than Peyton did in his career. And Eli was the number one overall pick. I want to say that Eli was supposed to pass him and then didn't, Come back for that last year of his contract. He would have passed him otherwise? Yeah, I, I can find that list for you, though. I, I have long thought, yeah, real quick, I'll give you a minute to sort of fumfer on that while I go through this. But I just thought these were interesting. You can follow this guy, Spotrack. Spot R-A-C is, is his um, handle on Twitter. And he's got a bunch of interesting stuff like that. And I thought those were all interesting notes as far as who the number one overall pick is going to be. And look, there have been very few that come in as decorated as this Trevor Lawrence does. And so there is an enormous amount of pressure on him. Gil Brandt, who is not one who is prone to hyperbole, is basically saying he's a cross between Peyton Manning and John Elway. So you can't put higher expectation on a football player possibly than that. You have it or you'll get it in a minute? I have it. And and our friend Spotrack is actually contradicting himself because on his website, the earnings total are Breeze, Brady, Roethlisberger, then Eli, then Peyton. Breeze, Brady... Brady. Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, then Peyton Manning. Oh. That's his career earnings. So he though. does have Eli ahead of him. He does. So we'll see. We've got to get to the bottom of that spot rack. We need an answer to that you gotta, stat. You've got to check your own website, bro. Meanwhile, Sal Palantonio is coming up next, and we haven't even gotten to the best thing that happened in sports this weekend, but we will right after this, right here on ESPN Radio.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. My name is Greeny. We come to you live every day from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And my guests appear on the Goodyear hotline like this one. I, you know, there's a, a feature that I wanted to do for the show here. Someday we will, we will get this one started, and it's called Advanced Class. I've said this is just for the advanced class. I got that phrase from Rex Ryan, who one time when he was the coach of the Jets at a press conference, they asked him a question about something he was doing defensively. And he decided he was going to really go into the X's and O's. And he said, all right, this one is for the advanced class only. And the professor of the advanced class on television is the one and only Sal Palantonio, who now for 20 years has been the host of the NFL matchup show. And that is the advanced class for X's and O's on ESPN TV. Hello again, Sal Palantonio. Michael, how are you? Uh, you know, this is draft number 26 for me on ESPN. And I did the first draft of the Baltimore Ravens and uh, when they picked Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden, and they ran some tape of that recently, and I couldn't believe what I looked like and what I sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely not in the advanced class yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the second, we'll have the matchup show tomorrow night, the draft special. The draft special episode two airs tomorrow night, 10 Eastern on ESPN. So give us a sense here as you start considering what we should expect to see. Give me a couple of the headlines. What do you believe? The biggest headlines coming out of round one have the potential to be that might be a little bit off uh, the beaten path of all the stuff that's been talked about ad nauseum everywhere else. Well, I think the number one thing that we try to do on this particular show, this is our mandate, it's a little bit different. And what we try to do is project how these top college players will project into the current NFL and how it is played. So tomorrow night, Greg Cosell, who does as good a job as anyone in breaking down quarterbacks on film, will really look at Trevor Lawrence and his ability to deliver the football against the rush up the middle. He's very good pre-snap, Trevor Lawrence. If you saw him in college, he was very good pre-snap in deciphering where the pressure was coming and very good at handling pressure up the middle. Now, why is that so important in today's NFL? Well, if there was any lesson from Super Bowl 55 is you've got to protect the quarterback. Tom Brady was protected. He won the game. Patrick Mahomes was not. He lost the game. 
Uh, as Evan Kaplan of ESPN Stats and Information told me weeks ago, Sal, five-year high in 2020 of percentage of blitzes in the National Football League. Defensive coordinators called the blitz 28% of the time. That's a five-year high. Teams were more exotic with their blitzes. They came up the middle more because they want the ball out of the quarterback's hands much more quickly, and they're much more difficult to decipher. So whatever quarterback you're taking, A, you've got to teach him to get rid of the ball quickly. Joe Burrow did not get that lesson. And B, you've got to protect them. Yeah, he's got to have somewhere to go with the ball in order to get out of there quickly as well. So the protecting piece of it, I think, is also incredibly important. Did you do the other quarterbacks in this? And I'm asking for a friend. How about the guy who's going to go second? Did we break down uh, his ability to do the same? Michael, you know, Zach Wilson is much more of a playmaker off script, off piste, as skiers like to say. He can go into the soft powder and he can still stay on his skis. And that's the great thing that you're going to get out of Zach Wilson. Incredible arm strength, incredible accuracy, second reaction throws. I think Jets fans are going to be really excited about his moxie, his toughness, his playmaking ability. You know, I was there for Chad Pennington uh, at Weeview Bank Hall. I was there in Forum Park for the Mark Sanchez draft, the Geno Smith draft, the Sam Darnold draft. Unfortunately, I'll be on Zoom uh, in my home office for this draft, but I have seen a lot of Jets quarterbacks drafted, and I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think this is the most exciting pick at the quarterback position since the pick of Mark Sanchez. All right, that's an interesting one. Again, they took Sanchez five overall, traded up to get there. They took Darnold three overall, traded up to get there. Um, actually, Wilson will be the highest drafted Jet quarterback since Joe Namath was taken number one in the AFL draft in 1965. Sal with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. You mentioned that you'll be doing the draft via Zoom this year, which means you can do multiple teams. And obviously, the Eagles are one of your teams, and, and most of our listeners will associate you with the Eagles. They're in an interesting place here. G- give me your sense of what you expect them to do in round one and where things stand with them relative to Jalen Hurts, the new coach, the owner who seems to be getting increasingly involved and everything else? Uh, There's a lot of big questions there, but, you know, I texted Howie Roseman. I used to say I texted Doug Peterson, but he's on a boat somewhere off the coast of South Florida. (laughs) So I texted GM Howie Roseman, Michael, before coming on the program, and I said to him, you know, um, how will you approach this draft? Are you – Considering the team as a team that can can compete in a wide-open NFC East, and he said, sure, but we don't want to take any shortcuts. Translation for me is they've got 11 picks more than any other team. they got five of the first 100, so they're in great shape at the top of the draft. I think at 12, having moved down, which I didn't agree with, but having moved down at 12, They're in a position where they could move up. They could move down. They absolutely need an X receiver in this offense on the left side of Jalen Hurts. That's a big hole. They also need a corner opposite Darius Slay. So they could go Devontae Smith. They could go J.C. Horn. But I remember the great story that Andy Reid told me about Howie Roseman when he was scouting his first draft. Howie was in the big house. 
in Ann Arbor, and one of the nosebleed seats, he had his binoculars trained on Brandon Graham, and he called Andy Reid on his cell phone, and he said, Coach, I got our first-round pick. And he took Brandon Graham, and Brandon Graham strip-sacked Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52, and the Eagles won their only Super Bowl trophy. So when he says, we're not going for shortcuts, he will try to focus on rebuilding the offensive and defensive lines. Eagles haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. One more for you, Sal. Another of the teams that you have is the Steelers. They obviously are bringing Ben Roethlisberger back at the age of 39. A lot of question as to whether they will address the quarterback position at some point in this draft. What do you expect? You know, I expect them to try to go one more big year with Big Ben. And Big Ben's on the clock, right, Michael? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Steelers as an organization, they're on the clock with Big Ben. This is it. This is the put-up-or-shut-up year. Um, But when you look at that team, last year, the reason why they faded was very simple. They did not have a reliable enough or productive enough running game. So they need a running back or two. You look at the team that they're going up against in that division, specifically the Baltimore Ravens. They ran the ball 55% of the time more than any other team in the league. Uh, and they, the Ravens won 11 games, and the Steelers faded fast uh, and uh, were bounced out. So I think they need to bolster around Big Ben. Don't forget, Marquise Pouncey, he retired. That was a huge loss, too. Whatever they're going to do, it is to get Big Ben off the, over the finish line for one more championship season. It's a fascinating debate that you have there as to whether bringing him back and trying to do one more season in a division where everyone else has their future locked up. It's an interesting choice they decided to make. Again, Sal with the NFL matchup draft special airing tomorrow night, April 27th, 10 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. We'll be watching again. It is the advanced class of National Football (laughs) League coverage on ESPN. Thank you, Sal. Enjoy it, and I'll see you Thursday. Thank you, Michael. All right, that's the great Sal Palantonio with me, one of the real, he's one of the tent poles of ESPN. You know, when I think about the legendary people at ESPN, and maybe part of this just is I start making a list of people who've been here longer than me, and that's becoming a decreasing <laughs> list. I mean, there are just so few people at this point, unbelievably, who have worked at ESPN longer than I have. Sal is one of those people, and he's one of those people who was a big deal before I, you know, long before I had a show that anyone had ever heard of. Uh, but Sal is awesome, and so he'll have a bunch of that coverage. And I do love that show. I love that that X's and O's. That that's the stuff I find increasingly fascinating. You know, I, I'm trying to figure out. This is a little show conversation we can have here with the staff before I move on to the next fun thing. Like, what's the way to do that on the radio? Because I love that in depth X and O stuff, and we do a bunch of it on Get Up. The problem with that is it's very hard to do on the radio. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, you know, driving up the LIE or the Kennedy Expressway or anywhere else you might be driving in America listening to me right now, and I'm diagramming plays for you, (laughs) you'd have to be a very imaginative thinker in order to fully grasp what it is we're saying. So video is such an important part of that. But I love it. So I myself would love to hear it. um, And we'll try and figure out a way to do more of it. Meantime, here we go. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Okay. This is something we didn't get to earlier, and I promised it to you. So I'm having my breakfast yesterday. There's nothing I love more than the diner breakfast, right? I got the good breakfast working there. What's the order? I got the egg white scramble with the spinach, the mushrooms, and the turkey. 
you know, with a, a little hot sauce on the side there that I will treat myself to every now and again. And then I will treat myself. I do my breakfast in, in, uh, in courses. So I always have a carb course second. I don't like to let it sit there getting cold. I'm not one who will eat those at the same time. Like, I don't want the eggs and the pancakes, if indeed this is a pancake day. Okay. I don't want them to be brought at the same time because the pancakes are getting cold while I'm eating the eggs. I'm not taking a bite of one and then a bite of the you other. You can't cross-pollinate. I, don't, I just don't like it that way as much. I prefer to eat one, then eat the other, and have them both at maximum hot when I eat them. So I will have the egg dish first— with coffee, then more coffee and the carb second, which can either be pancakes or French toast. If I'm being very healthy that day, I'll have oatmeal, but that's infinitely less fun. You're very neurotic. This is the way I like to eat. But anyway, I'm reading Steve Serby's profile of Mel Kuyper in yesterday's New York Post. And I, I posted it on my Twitter page if you want to read it. But he's so fascinating to me. I love the, the quirks that make people unique, you know, there's so freaking many of us in the world now that we have a lot of things that are in common, but each of us has something that makes us special, that makes us unique, that makes us alone. Alone is a terrible word choice. I don't mean that we are lonely. I mean like that just we're one of one. Every one of us is one of one in some way. We're singular. We're singular. Mel is the best example of that. So <laughs> if you read through this question and answer that Serby does with Mel, The first two-thirds of it are football draft questions, and they're all good. It's all interesting. I mean, that's who you want to hear from. But then he starts asking him individual questions. And the answers to this I just think are fascinating. So, Bubba, open a mic. I just I want everyone's reaction to this, okay? Everyone in on this. So four dinner guests, right? They ask the question, who would be the four people you would choose to have dinner with? He chooses Ted Williams, Jackie Robinson, Earl Weaver, and Johnny Carson. Now, that might be the most fascinating collection of four people. It's pretty good. I, I've ever heard of in my entire life. That's an interesting group of people to talk about Devontae Smith with. It, it, well, that's my point, <laughs> is that there's like not one per, I mean, it's an older list, right? I'm not the right. When the most recently relevant person on your list is Earl Weaver, that's an interesting <laughs> list to have put together. Favorite movies. He says, Bull Durham and a few good men. All right, that's pretty good. Favorite actor, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Yes. Now, that's a fascinating person to be your favorite actor, isn't it? Who's your favorite actor? I love Sly. (laughs) I love Sly. Did you see Rambo 4? (laughs) I mean, Sylvester Stallone. But that's not as fascinating as his favorite actress. His favorite actress is Jacqueline Smith. (laughs) Now, Jacqueline Smith was Kelly Garrett on Charlie's Angels in the 70s when I was a kid. I loved Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith. I don't even know who that is. That's my point. How could you know who that is? She hasn't been famous in 50 years. In my childhood, she was the second most famous of the Charlie's Angels. You've heard of Farrah Fawcett Majors, right? You've heard that name. I know Charlie's Angels, and I know Farrah Fawcett. That's my point. Jacqueline Smith was on Charlie's Angels 45 years ago. I have no idea what she's done since then. She's Mel's favorite actress. Meryl Streep. I mean, anybody, name anybody you want. His favorite actress is Jacqueline Smith. Okay, next. Favorite entertainer, Johnny Carson. Well, this should not be a surprise considering it would have invited him to dinner. They ask, he asked him his favorite television show. Listen to this. His favorite show is Dallas. I'm just going to read this. This is Mel talking. 
Kim, his wife, got me the DVDs for every episode of Dallas for a birthday present. I watch it at 9 o'clock every Friday night, which is when it used to be on. She also got me the DVDs of a lot of Johnny Carson shows, so at 11.30 every night, I watch Johnny Carson Monday through Friday. That's when The Tonight Show came on at 11.30. Now, I want you to picture being at Mel's house on a Friday night, (laughs) and at 9 o'clock, because that's when it would come on on CBS, in 1978, he's watching Dallas, and then at 11.30, (laughs) because that's when it was coming on in 1978, he's watching Johnny Carson. I mean, that might be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It, it, it's just <laughs> fascinating, though, right? I mean, How many what? times do you go through the seasons and you've seen who shot Jr. Like, well, well, just he like, just, he's, he's doing it. Going Whoa, and going spoiler, and going spoiler and alert. Going and going. Yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, I, you know, yeah, you don't know, tell anyone it was a dream. I don't know who shot Jr. I don't know. Next, when did your love of pumpkin pie begin? Because he has pumpkin pie for breakfast every single day. It, came, it started in the mid-'80s. He has eaten a piece of pumpkin pie with fat-free whipped cream for breakfast every day for the last almost 40 years. <laughs> so Steve asked him, do you still have it every morning? He said, well, it's not always readily available. When they're available at the local grocery store, I do get them. You would think that at this point, if you wanted that for breakfast every day, you could have A, make them yourself, like have someone make them for you. Or B, order them from some place that can send you as many pumpkin pies as you want at any time. If the store is out of them, we're out of luck. Which leads us to his wife, Kim, cuts his hair. She cuts his hair. Mm. And he has never written a check and does not, has never used an ATM card. <laughs> when he needs money, I just ask him for cash. And I don't need to write checks. I have a credit card, and that's it. No debit cards. I always tell people, if they ever wanted any money, I'd love to give it to them. I wouldn't know how to get any of that money. (laughs) So he has never written a check and has never used an ATM card. And and I want to make it clear that I'm saying all of this with love. I love Mel. I've known Mel Kuyper now almost 25 years. He's one of the nicest. He's one of the kindest human beings you will ever come across. One of my favorite memories is one of the years that we did the draft, that Mike and I did the draft, so in the early 2000s, we're in, in New York, we were, we were all staying at the W Hotel, which is in the 40s on the west side, 44th and 8th, I think it is, and we're walking to Radio City. We all walked to Radio City, so it was like John Clayton, Golick, me, Mike, and Mel is in the group, is my point. And we're walking the streets of Manhattan at like 8 in the morning on the Saturday of the draft. This is back when the draft was just on Saturday. If you have never walked down the street with Mel Kuyper on the day of the draft, then you would not know what it is like to be with Santa Claus at the North Pole on Christmas. (laughs) Every person we pass is shouting draft questions at him, and he is answering every one of them. And he is stopping, and he's taking pictures with everybody and signing autographs. He is just the, the biggest sweetheart of a man. But this is what makes him so unique. He's such an unusual, unique person. On ESPN Daily... Mel told Pablo Torre he doesn't eat during the draft. He has a ginger ale and a Snickers bar off to the side, and he's never gone to the bathroom in 38 years during the draft. I've been told that. I've been told he will not go to the bathroom the entire time we're on. I'll be able to confirm this for you. I'll be with him Thursday and Friday. I will be going to the bathroom. I've been told there's a porta potty nearby. Mel has not. All right, before we go for the day, an important word from 1-800-Flowers.com because Mother's Day is, rap- is rapidly approaching. 
And mother, a mother is someone who loves you with all of her heart. So whether it's your birth mom, your stepmom, any strong mother figure in your life, this Mother's Day, celebrate all the amazing women in your life with gorgeous bouquets from 1-800-Flowers.com. Like this one right now, 1-800-Flowers is offering 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99. We have them in the house. They're absolutely gorgeous. It's an assortment of bright colors guaranteed to show all the moms in your life how much they are loved. This is an amazing offer, but it won't last long. The offer ends on Wednesday, so here's what you do right now. 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for just $34.99. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter the code GREENY. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, and enter the code GREENY. Do it now, and I'll see you tomorrow with some pumpkin pie on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.